Welcome to Series 9, Episode 2 of York Hospital Ball. This week's guest is former captain Russell Penn, who joined the club back in January 2014, which coincided with a remarkable run of form that saw York City claim an unlikely playoff place. From the highs of that Nigel Worthington team and his wonder goal versus Morecambe to the lows of relegation under Jackie McNamara, Russ speaks open and honestly about his time at Booth and Crescent, which also included a short-lived second spell. This podcast series is sponsored by Mark Woodhouse of N&E Woodhouse Plastering, a local family-run company that has served York and the surrounding areas since the 1960s. They cover all aspects from Tudor renovations to contemporary housing using traditional methods and materials. You can find them on Facebook or via their website, woodhouseplastering.com, woodhouseplastering.com. But for now, please relax and enjoy the second episode of this new series with Russell Penn. First of all, thanks, Russ, for, for taking time out of your pre-season schedule to speak to us. Thanks, Dan. Of course, the, the two spells at York City will be of keen interest to our listeners of this podcast, but you started certainly in professional terms at Kidderminster Harriers, and I was trying to work out the context of that time. And I think Kiddy had just sort of dropped out of the football league, so it was a bit of a transition sort of period. Stuart Watkiss gave you your debut. What, what's your memories of your pro debut in that sort of time period at Kidderminster? So I remember I got released from Scunthorpe at 19. I completely fell out of love with the game. Uh, I was actually working with my mate at his, at his bar in Stratford-upon-Avon. And I thought, this is a little bit of me now, a little bit of bar work. And then I had a phone call from Stuart Watkiss to say, um, can you come in on trial? So I jumped at the chance as it was only up the road from me. And within that month, I earned myself a, a deal on £100 a week, it was. And I was absolutely delighted. Moving on, you know, I had three months of not being in the first team in the squad and I went on loan to Alf Church, which is a team in step three now, and had a month there. And in that month period, played four games, scored two goals and confidence went through the roof with a couple of midfielders getting injured at Kiddy. And I was given my chance, albeit a pro debut against York City in November 2005. And the rest speaks for itself, 650 games later. That was it, hung up the boots. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, over four seasons at Agbra, I mean, a, a goal-scoring midfielder, were you, were you playing a lot further forward in those days then? I was. I had energy then, uh, which you probably didn't see in my York days. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was playing a lot further forward, just behind the front man or on the wing as well. And um, scored a lot of goals, you know, being an inverted winger on the left or the right. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the, the free-flowing football we played in them days under, under Mark Yates and, uh, you know, seemed to score double figures for a couple of seasons. And, and did you have sort of like a good affinity with the fans back then? Because obviously you've ended up returning to Kidderminster and it seems like you're kind of like really in with the sort of community of that club. Is that, is that something that sort of started from back then when you first started playing for them? I think so. I think you get a respect from, you know, I've, I've played over 200 games for Kidderminster now. I, I had a year there as a youth team player under 15, 16. So, you know, I went to school four miles down the road. So I think just knowing a lot of people in the area, you get that respect. Coming back for a third spell or a second spell, you know, didn't really work out for me, but give me the great opportunity of going to the coaching role, which I'm, I'm really grateful for. I mean, you're obviously a key player for Mark Yates as Kiddy sort of pushed for promotion and you gained the attention of Burton Albion who made you their record signing. And I wondered, and this is probably a bit of a strange question, but 
given you were a record signing, you were only given a two-year deal there. And I thought that was quite bizarre that normally when someone's a record signing, there's like three or four-year contracts handed out. Why was it so short? Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Burton have never paid big money. You know, the record deal, I think, was 25 to 30 grand. So, you know, that's it's not going to break the bank. I think two years suited everyone, to be honest. I was still quite young, never played a league game at 23 still. They had just been promoted from the conference to the league. And... Um, you know, I think the chairman was reluctant to give the 25 grand over, but eventually did. And listen, I had a great two years at Burton. It should have gone on for much longer, but due to, um, you know, Cheltenham upping their money and whatever, it was, a, it was a move that suited all parties. And I was going to say, was there any pressure on being a record signing? You sort of completely played that down. So, so if there was any pressure, you certainly didn't show it because I think you scored quite early on in a 5-2 win over Morecambe in August. And then a really stunning dip in volley at Lincoln in a 2-0 win later that month. I think there's a goal, obviously, that's better than that, that we'll come on to later on in the interview. But that must be up there for you. I mean, that's the first time I'd seen that goal research in this interview. It was a, it was a hell of a strike. Yeah, look, listen, Burton was great for me. Um, you know, they, they, they train at St. George's Park. Um, they just got promoted to the Football League. I'm looking to make my debut. Scored two goals in the first month. Paul Pesky Salido was the manager at the time, so he was new into the job. So there was a lot of good energy around. We finished mid-table that year. Really enjoyed it. And the year after, we had a fantastic cut run. Got to the fourth round of the FA Cup. And I loved it. And I was willing to stay. They offered me a new deal. I was, I was ready to sign. And But, you know, Mark Yates uh, moved to Cheltenham. And um, he, he wanted to make me his first signing. So uh, the rest speaks for itself, really. But going back to Burton, fantastic era for me. And a lot of praise for the football club and the chairman there. Because Gary Rowett was assistant manager as well, wasn't he? Which I'd not realised. And he's obviously gone on to, to have a really good managerial career. But Paul Pescu-Salida, he, he's kind of, I think that was the only managerial job he had, didn't he? Was that, could you sort of tell that with him that he maybe wasn't, wasn't kind of seen it as a long-term thing for him? Uh, I think, you know, Ben Robinson, the Burton chairman, loves to give young managers a chance uh, and new managers. He did Paul his chance. Paul did all right. You know, he was lucky to have Gary on his side. Gary just come out of playing as well. But you could always tell Gary was the one who was got a further his career in the managerial game. They worked well together. But as you can see, I think two or three years later, Gary got the job and his career kicked on in, in, in the managerial game. Yeah. And, and it was sort of moving to Cheltenham. I know you sort of talked a little bit about money there, but was Mark Yates kind of a almost a deciding factor there? You'd played for him, you know, played some of your best football under him at Kidderminster and him coming back in for you. Was that a big sort of influence for you? I think it was one of the factors, yeah. Um, again, it was local for me, so it was only 50 miles down the road, so I could still live at home. You know, it was a big move for me because Cheltenham were favourites to go down that year. But I think what no one realised, the budget got up to a little bit and he had a clean sweep of the squad. He brought a load of players in me, uh, Marlon Pack, who's gone on to have a fantastic career. And um, we, we, we signed some really good players and we actually got to the, to the, um, the playoff final that season uh, and lost to a, a really good, young, enthusiastic crew side. So, yeah, one game away from um, League One, which I've been in that situation a few times. So, um, but no, um, really great move and probably looking back in my career, it's probably the best squad and club environment I've been in. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the two sort of your first two seasons there sort of mirrored each other, didn't they? Playoff defeats, but also good FA Cup runs as well. The first one being playing Spurs at White Hart Lane. Um, I mean, what was it like playing in midfield, sort of locking your horns with the likes of Nico Cranshaw and Stephen Pienaar, Jake Livermore? That must have been a really good experience. Well, it was great. One thing Harry Redknapp did, he didn't disrespect Cheltenham. He played his full-strength team at, at that time. And obviously, Nico Cranshaw, Pienaar, Dawson, Defoe, Pavlichenko, I can name them all, Aaron Lennon. 
was great. And to play at White Hart Lane, so, you know, quite claustrophobic, really, really intense. And we took 5,000 down there. Daniel Levy made it £10 a ticket, so it sold out. And it was great. And you felt like a Premier League footballer for the weekend. Our chairman sent us to Portugal straight after the game. It was a great weekend. And, and when, when you go there, is this sort of mentality to, to, you know, enjoy the day, but kind of not get sort of embarrassed, as it were? I think so. I think first and foremost, you want to have a go. And then I think it got to half an hour, it was still nil-nil, so we were right in the game. But as soon as the first goal went in, you know, you're kind of chasing your tails a little bit then. I think 3-0 was a, was a fair enough result, but the occasion was great for us. Good pay packet for the football club, you know, just a great day out for the fans and the players. You mentioned that that playoff final as well against Crew. I think, um, I'm right to say, Nick Powell got the first goal, wasn't he? I mean, he was, you know, they went on to play for Man United. But were you carrying an injury? Because you played most of the games that season, but I noticed you were sub in the final. Yeah, I think this is where, uh, you know, the, the, the conflict of me and Mark Yates started there, really. And listen, there isn't no more. Got great respect for each other. But, you know, I wasn't injured and I played every game that season. His excuse to me at the time was we played crew twice this season. We lost quite convincingly both games playing that same formation and he wanted to go with a, a, different, a different dynamic in the game. Listen, looking back at it, I've got great respect for him to make that uh, decision, but a lack of respect in, in not picking me. So, uh, listen, it's one of those things. He's the manager. He gets paid to make the big calls, and it was a big call that day. Fell out of him for a couple of months after that, but he made me his captain the year after. Whether that was to soften the blow, I'm not sure. Well, um, listen, it was uh, it's, it's been and gone now, and, and you live and die by them decisions. Yeah, and because you'll be in the position yourself as a manager, I'm sure, at some point, you know, playing people or uh, dropping people that, that you... That, you know, it's difficult to do that. The, the following season, you know, like I said, similar then, and you, you played Everton in the FA Cup. You scored and got man of a match in a 5-1 defeat, but I think that was a lot closer game than the scoreline reflected. I know you said the Spurs one was quite a fair reflection, but I remember watching that game and I don't think it was really a 5-1 looking back. No, I think what it does show is just how ruthless Premier League teams and players can be. I think they only had five, six chances, albeit that's quite a lot in a game, but God, they just took every single one. But again, really fantastic night. It was on ESPN at the time. They had the rights to the game and it was live and there was a full house and Everton bought a load. David Moyes played his full strength team. And to score, yeah, you know, I've got the photos on the wall now and the shirts. It was uh, it was fantastic. To lock your horns, I took Phil Neville's shirt after the game and he was playing in midfield that night. So, you know, one of the great players of the, of the modern era, really. Your final one, uh, final season with Cheltenham was 2013-14. I think you were club captain, like you said, and played against York in a 2-2 draw in November. And then Nigel Worthington signed you up in the January. Was it was it a big move for you, given your sort of age and, and the fact that you're going to have to relocate your family as well? And did it help that, that Keith Lowe was already there? I think he, he'd sort of signed on loan in the, in the November. Did he sort of tell you about the club? Yeah, for sure. Well, Keith's one of my best mates outside of football. So obviously that helps. I had no interest in leaving Cheltenham. I just signed a two-year deal. I was captain. But I think Nigel Wilberton played the game well. I was out of the team for a couple of weeks, probably because of lack of form. I don't know if anyone knows me. I just can't sit on the bench. I'm quite selfish in that way. I, I want to play every game. And uh, Nigel was ringing me every day. They made a little offer to the football club. Don't know what it, what it went for. And I had to make the real brave decision of, of, of moving up there. And one of the best things I've, I've ever done, really. And what was your first impressions of York City? Because they, they were sort of having a bit of a slump around that time and sort of drifting down the table rather than up it? Um, when I got there, I remember travelling there on a Sunday night to train on the Monday morning. It was pitch black, obviously, in December. It was pissing down the rain. And I've just been putting this little B&B around the corner from Boo And as you can know, Boo Boom's quite dark, isn't it, anyway, on the night. And I parked my car there. There was no one to greet me. And I thought, what have I done? What have I done? And um, 
the best thing for me, we got into training the next day and you could feel there was a bit of tension. There was still a lot of the old blood there that he was trying to get rid of, the Chris Smith, the Jamal Fivefields, who else was there? Oh, there? There was a few of us, and I knew he was getting rid of them and the players didn't, so you could feel the tension. And I think we lost two of the first three games while I was there. And uh, I thought, God, we're in a right scrap. And then, obviously, we had that 17-game unbeaten run. I think we won 14 of them 1-0, uh, which was one of the best runs I've ever ever been on and uh, managed to reach the playoff uh, semi-final. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And that, that's what I've got written down here. I mean, you was 16th, I think, after losing to Chesterfield at the end of January. And then went on, like you said, that crazy 17-game run. A lot of 1-0 wins I've got written down here, but... But was that sort of like a confidence thing that once you got that first goal, you sort of thought, well, you know, we'll see this out sort of thing? Yeah, I think he recruited really well in January. Obviously, myself, the key flow brought in a month before. John McComb, I thought, was a fantastic signing. Steadied the ship a bit at the back. Um, Mick Pope, who, as we all know, was uh, just, you know, he was class for, for, for the level. And a big player for me was the big man up top, Calvin Andrew, because I think he brought out the best in Michael Coulson. And, you know, we just had a good spine to us then. You know, Adam Reid and Lewis Montrose in midfield. West Flesh all of a sudden were seeking form and little Joshy Carson. So we, we went from having a really relegated side, no disrespect, to a, a strong League Two side. No doubt it shouldn't have got to the playoffs, but momentum took us there. Yeah, and, and I think you, you make a great point there about Calvin Andrew. Like, if you looked at his goal-scoring stats, people would think, oh... He didn't do a good job at York, but I think loads of York fans really appreciated that role that he did and sort of did the the sort of dirty work, didn't he, really? That, that kind of took the wax up the top and, and held it up really well. And that was like a key point of that, a focal point for that side. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's the way Nigel, Nigel Wurrington wanted to play. He was very direct. He was very back to front very quickly. You know, you've got Ben Davis and Ibanjo, fullbacks, you know, look at, you know, they're fantastic fullbacks for a League Two club. And we, we went direct to Calvin and we played off the second balls. That was my game. I loved doing that. I had a knack of knowing where the ball was going to land and Kulo had his pace and could finish and so did, so did Fletch. And um, it seemed to work and the momentum just taking into February, March, April was fantastic. And we really built on them clean sheets as well. Yeah, and Nigel gave you the captaincy, didn't he, when David McGurk got injured? Do you enjoy that that responsibility? I mean, like we mentioned, you were sort of 28, 29 around this time. Was that kind of like the perfect sort of role for you to have? Yeah, I like to think I'm the same anyway. And, you know, I played a couple of games with TY, but he got injured and his back was struggling. So I knew I'll probably see it out to the end of the season. And, um, I, you know, I'm not saying I was the reason why the results come, but it just it fitted in well with me moving up there and just taking that responsibility. It was quite easy because there was a lot of new lads as well. So you could kind of build your own team ethics, really. Yeah. And you mentioned Nick, Nick Pope there as well. And we all know how much of a fantastic player he is and he's gone on to become. Uh, but it sounds to me like he had a really great men mentality. Everyone I've spoke to that, that played in that side seems to sort of say that he, he sort of mucked in. He was one of the lads he wanted to learn. Um, and I think you and Keith used to cook his tea, didn't you? We did. And you know what? This is how great he is. He still texts us all the time uh, regarding that. We, we had a little thing on a Thursday night, sausage pasta bake nights, where I used to just fill up. And all the lads that were in the B&B used to come round, Shaq McDonald's, Nick Pope, and as you can see them too, they, they used to live room together and they are the opposites, aren't they? And me and Lowy. So it was great and we've, we've kept in touch. He sends gloves down to my little one and shirts and he gets us tickets. So he's really grounded. I think he was at Char Charlton at the time. He was on loan from and he just really, he, ju he just jumped straight into, you know, playing for us. Big decision from Nigel to drop Michael Ingham, who, who was also a very good goalkeeper. But it just shows you where he wanted to go with the, with the York City at that, at that present time. 
Do you send him like a sausage pasta bake up then in exchange for his goalkeeping gloves? <laughs> I'm sending that up now, but he does always remember it and he knows. So he knows where he was brought up and he knows who cooked his tea. So uh, <laughs> that's fine for me. Because of the momentum, did you did you think the club would go all the way? You know, as you were getting closer to those playoffs, and and it must have second to that, it must have been disappointing for you, given that that was the third consecutive season that you'd got so close, like um, losing out in the playoffs. You can never say you were going to win the final. I, I, I truly believed we should have won the second the, the semi final. To lose one nil over both legs shows you how tight it was. Our biggest thing, and I think it's still, you know, you couldn't do nothing about the elements. But the first game actually got called off, if you remember. Yeah, and we had full momentum that night and I'm not saying that we did it on the Monday night but it kind of dampened the whole mentality of the football club we sold out everyone was in the building and then we had this monsoon for two hours and it called off and then everyone had arranged plans Sunday for family time and then all of a sudden that was put down and we had to train and we had to wait another night and we were rubbish that Monday night and we were lucky that we only lost 1-0 don't get me wrong second leg we should have won and we should have been outside before half time to be honest we had some great chances but it wasn't to be so um overall fantastic season I think we really we really should have really kicked on then going into into the next season which obviously as you know we didn't yeah I'm just going to come on to that you know Nigel left didn't he quite early on in the season Russ Russ Wilcox came in to sort of steady the ship and effectively keep us in the division. You scored the goal to ensure that we stayed up with a tapping against Morecambe. By tapping, I mean, obviously, a 35-yard rocket. And it was interesting watching the video back on it because you just sort of appear from nowhere. Um, but you can hear people in the crowd sort of suggesting you to, to, to shoot. Were, were they an influence or were you kind of tunnel vision that once, once you saw that gap opening up that you were going to sort of hit it? Listen, I've had that many shots in my career that all, there's always going to be a few that at the top corner. So I was always back from corners. It was me and a fullback marking the striker. But Morecambe took everybody back that day, I think. And they had a couple on the edge of the box. So I was free. You say 35 yards, that's, you know, it was 45. You've got to remember that, mate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think they just, you know, I was having a good game at the time and I think they just drew me confidence to say, go out and have a dig. Um, so I did and uh, let fly in. Yeah, one of the best goals I've, I've ever scored. Yeah, and, and I think their goalkeeper was on loan from Liverpool, wasn't he? Was it Danny Ward? Yeah, he's no mug, mate, is he? So, um, you know, he's texted me a few times actually since then just to say, you know, I still remember that goal. So, um, listen, great, great night and to ensure safety as well was great. I remember the chairman ringing me up the next day. He was absolutely over the moon. He was saying, oh, you, you're my captain's hero and all this. And it, it was great because we had a poor season. Listen, I, I moved up there. One of the reasons I moved up to York was for the Nigel Worthington. Gone within nine months of me being there was, uh, was tough to take, really. Russ come in, who I knew from Scunthorpe, and he was great. He, you know, he kept he kept me as captain, and and we had a consistent season that year. He brought in some good players. But the disappointing thing for me was how Nigel recruited in that summer. I think we didn't build on the playoffs, and he recruited. I think he had a better budget. You could tell, but we recruited in the in the wrong areas with the wrong personnel. Nothing, no disrespect to the players, but they just weren't good enough at the time. And um, that was one of the reasons why I think he felt he had to leave. Yeah, I know we weren't doing particularly well, but it did sort of feel like that there was a quite a bit of a turn around the players and, and that it might take a bit of time to bed in. I don't think anyone ever felt that under Nigel we were going to go down or anything like that. But how did you find out that he was leaving? What 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 is the sort of process? Do you find out the like, same as the fans do or, or were you kind of given wind of it beforehand? No, he rang me actually. I don't know if he rang any other players, but he rang me on the Sunday. It was... I can blame myself as well because it was after Newport and I got sent off in the Newport game. We were 1-0 up away and I got sent off stupidly and um, we lost 2-1. 
So I think that was the uh, the final call for him. Listen, he wasn't a local lad like myself. He was travelling from Norwich three yeah. times a week. So I, I didn't think that helped. When you're winning games, it doesn't matter where you're travelling from. You can travel from Australia, you love coming to work. But when you're not picking up those results, and I think he looked at the players he brought in and what he could and couldn't do with those. I think he made a decision to leave. Listen, he didn't get pushed out. By no means, the chairman absolutely adored him. The players adored him, but it was his decision he left, yeah. And your final season at York City was one of York City's worst in recent memories. I mean, the club were relegated, didn't win away from home after September because Jackie McNamara had come in. Uh, and one of the first things he did was to allow Keith Lowe to, to leave, one of, like you say, one of your best friends in football. And he was effectively sort of replaced by young kids, wasn't he, as, as a few players were, who I don't, didn't think were cut out for the football league at all, if not professional football. What, how, how difficult was that for you? Because you're an experienced pro at this point to see that kind of happening in front of your eyes. And I know, obviously, you know, you don't want to disrespect the manager, but how difficult was that for you to sort of see that happening? Yeah, it was it was terrible, really. Uh, one, I didn't want to be a captain taking the team down. Two, I wanted to be at York for the rest of my career, really. And you can ask all the lads in the team how much I loved it up there. My family moved up there. And I, I didn't want to be uh, a National League player at that time because I was only 30, 31. And it was tough because of what I saw happening around me was just a recipe for a disaster, really. You know, I've got no... It's bad to say about Jackie. He was, he was respectful to me and I was respectful to him. I don't think the fans saw it that way in terms of his relationship with them. And I think that's where it, the, the club started to turn sour, really. But it was hard when you're replacing your John McCombs and Keith Lowe's with young under-23s who had no experience in the game. And we weren't just getting beat at the time. We were getting stuffed 2-0s, 3-0s, 4-0s. We had a little go in March. I think we won a couple on the bounce to give us a chance. But overall, if you look back on teams getting relegated, I think that was an absolute recipe of how to get a team relegated, really. Not that he wanted to do that, obviously, but you could just tell. You know, the only experienced pros he had in the team at the end were me and Luke Summerfield, and it was just everything, what was happening around the club, it was toxic at the time, and it was very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can imagine that the fact you've gone on to be a manager, that, that you're probably quite vocal in the dressing room. I, you know, I, I don't know, that's just a hunch, really. Is it difficult being vocal in the dressing room when you've got a lot of young kids there because I imagine some of them need someone putting their arm around them but then by the same token they've they've stepped up from under 23s to men's football and you've got to kind of toughen them up a little bit as well how how was the dynamics in the dressing room particularly like you say after getting stuff sort of 3-0 somewhere very hard because you try and have team meetings you know sometimes you have team meetings behind the manager's back just so you can get the lads going a little bit but when you're looking around and you've got 10 new lads in the building who really don't care about York, let's be honest. They care about their own careers and their parent club. It was very hard to put them values into them. Jackie only just come in, he didn't really feel the York vibe. And the whole place, you could just tell, was just turning toxic. And it was tough. I felt for the chairman at the time, he thought he did the right thing. Obviously, it didn't materialise to that. And it was tough. And um, yeah, a season to forget for me, personally, and, and as a team. Yeah, and do, do you think that, I mean, you mentioned there you had a reasonably good relationship with Jackie McNamara, it sounds like, but do, do you think Russ Wilcox would have kept us up? I mean, I know the, the club was sinking a little bit, but this has been a sort of bit of a debate between sort of supporters over the years. What, what's your opinion of it? I know York fans, and they are very strong-minded. They know what they want. I think Nigel Worthington got booed after two months because we were in and around the playoffs because the expectations were very high. And I think the Russ Wilcox effect was exactly the same. We were mid-table, OK, albeit 13th, 14th. 
But uh, no way would we have got relegated with his now in the league. And I think the fans had a big call on his on his uh, sack, really, because they have a big say at the football club because they're a big voice. And yeah. uh, the chairman listens to them. And um, I think that was the wrong call for me because, yes, we wanted promotion and we wanted playoffs. But uh, on the grand scheme of things, we wouldn't have got relegated for sure. You moved on to Carlisle that summer, uh, which is a hell of a commute, by the way, from York. I've got relatives in Scotland and every time we used to drive up, you'd think, bloody hell, Russ Penn's coming here every day for training. Uh, but it must be even worse when you don't get a sniff of the first team. And you mentioned before that you're not someone who likes to be on the bench. I mean, I thought, sort of thought at the time, what, what was the point of them signing you as a player and not really giving you any opportunities? So what, what was it like that that move to Carlisle? Was it, was it something that you just sort of look back on massively regret? No, I don't actually. In fact, when people ask me this question, I probably got more out of Carlisle than I did at most clubs. When when Keith Curl signed me, yes, I thought I was going to be um, his starting midfielder. And then within three weeks, he signed um, he signed Luke Joyce, who was already there, sorry, and, and Kennedy. And oh, there was a couple of other players in there. And I thought, right, OK, I'm not going to be first choice here. I'm going to be one of four. Mm. But what he did, he built a really strong squad. He had a good competitive budget. I wanted to stay in the league and I'm not one for waiting around uh, May and June to find a club that's best suited for me. I'll go with a club that's interested in me straight away. I like to enjoy my summer and get my head down and, and know exactly what I've got in, in, in the future. But I learned a lot from Keith Kill. He, he built this really strong squad. We, we didn't lose a game all the way till Boxing Day and they were top of the league. Albeit I was fourth choice midfielder. But I think he built a really, really strong squad. And he was very open with me. You know, you're third, fourth choice at the moment. You're, you're not going to be part of my plans in the first 11 until someone gets injured. Very open and straightforward. And I respect that rather than a manager saying, keep doing this, keep doing that, you'll get your chance. Um, and it suited all parties for me to go out on loan and, and, and tick over. So I went to Gateshead, which I had a great two months there. So um, listen, I've learned a lot from Carlisle. Didn't realise how far it was until I went to my first training session. Like, but I was stopping over there twice a week. But yeah, it was tough. It was tough. But um I've got a lot from it. You mentioned there, Gateshead, and then, then you went on loan to, to Wrexham, who, who played a key role, I think, in York City getting relegated again, uh, winning 3-1 at Boom and Crescent. I mean, that must have been really strange for you because I think you were still living in the city at the time. And like you said, yeah. you know, know a lot of York City fans. What what do you remember about that day? I remember it was a great day because I think York, I think Wrexham brought over a 1,000. See, the Gary Mills effect was there, wasn't it? And he fell out with everyone at Wrexham. So it was very toxic. It was very, you know, we were safe at the time. So it was a, it was quite a comfortable afternoon for us. York went one nil up and it was loud. But then, you know, they absolutely folded. Tough. I don't think we sent them down. I think there was still another month, but it, we didn't help, obviously. But yeah, it was tough because I was living in the area. And I remember going out on the night with a couple of Wrexham lads and, and York fans and... Uh, you could feel the nervousness of relegation again on the horizon. Because I remembered sort of there was a few boos as well when you touched the ball. And I just wonder, that must have been quite disappointing given that you never ever gave less than 100% for York City. I don't know if you remember that or... Well, if you're getting booed, it means you were liked. That's how I say it, you know what I mean? I wasn't getting booed by everybody. I've got, listen, I've got great respect for the York fans. And overall, I think generally... They'll agree with what I say. I think, you know, we we suited each other for them two and a half years and it was really good. I've got a lot of respect for the club and the chairman and all the managers at the time. And I loved every bit of it. I think I get a few sour messages when, yes, I left the club on, on relegation. But I think it was the right time to leave, to be honest. And, you know, the two and a half years I, I give for the club, like you said, I give my all and, and that's all you can do. 
Yeah, you said there about Wrexham bringing a, a large following. I mean, that's what that's what I remember, and I have have got it written down here about that sort of Gary Mills factor. What, did that sort of play a, a part in Wrexham's performance that day? Or was it that you know you mentioned there you were already safe? So is it that that you can sort of almost sort of play with the shackles off a little bit when when there's no pressure of going down and when you've got a big following there? Is it, did, did that influence that that big following for you guys to sort of play as well as you did? I think so. I think, listen, all good, all good players want to play in front of good crowds and it was a good crowd that day. It was a league crowd. I think it was over 4,000, I think. Um, big game for both parties. One, we've took 1,200 up, so you want to give them something back. And I think, you know, York are looking to stay in the league. Two big clubs that shouldn't be in the National League and, and are still are now, five, six years later. I don't think they will be for long. Um, unfortunately for York, I think it might be Rex who, who do go up next year. But... Yes, it does. It does help you. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't like. I don't like putting the dampener on things. But um, yeah, York were on a downward spiral at the time, and the rest speaks for itself. Really, what happened in the next two years? But um, I think the, the good crowd had the factor in that game. Yeah, and and you did end up sort of uh, re-signing at Gateshead, didn't you, when you left Carlisle, and then you came back to York in 2018. <laughs> Was that quite an easy decision for you to to come back to York at the time? And then obviously we know what the, what happens later on. Very easy, very easy. Um, I really enjoyed Gateshead. You know, it's a, it's a funny old club, Gateshead. Um, really good facilities, obviously playing a massive, massive stadium. But I think Mike Williamson's really picked up the fan base there, but when I was there, we were getting home crowds of 700 and on a Saturday afternoon, it didn't feel like a game. And we got to the trophy semi-final that year, should have got to Wembley. And Steve Watson obviously took charge and he made me a big part of his plans. Um, but all the takeover business at the time was in the back of my mind and people not getting paid around the club. And I thought, right, good time to go now. Martin Gray rang me a couple of times, showed me his interest. And that was it for me. Um, absolutely jumped at the chance. I was living at York. It was an absolute no-brainer, albeit dropping a level, but I was getting older and um, an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, and and you you know I think I think everyone hoped for promotion that season for York, but poor start meant Martin Gray kind of lost his job quite quite early on. Really, I think he was only about four or five games in, if I remember right. His replacement Sam Collins picked you initially, but then sort of dropped you out the side. What I wondered what happens. I don't really remember you you kind of having a, a particular bad game or or um, you know doing something that that kind of warranted. What what was your sort of side of it? Um, listen, I don't like to be bitter in football. There's not many uh, people I've, I've fell out with in football, but yeah, that wasn't a good time for me in that month, to be honest. I think he tried to distance himself from the older pros in the wrong way. I don't mind if I'm not part of the manager's plans unless people tell me and we're respectful about it. But the way things were happening, I was hearing things behind me back and I thought I was, I was owed a lot more respect than that, really. So, listen, I decided to leave. Did I do it too early? Did I jump at it? Yes, because he got sacked a month later and then my old manager come in and I probably would have been a big part of his plans. But I made the decision to go to Kidderminster. Probably the wrong decision footballing-wise, but playing-wise, I mean. But over the grand scheme of things, uh, a really good decision for myself and my family for where I am now. Absolutely. I mean, it was almost a chance for you to get your career to go full circle as well, which I think is quite a lot of footballers like to do that, don't they? Um, and you, you, like you mentioned, you began your coaching career and now you're managing. How, how easy was that transition for you? Because, um, you know, you're obviously someone who likes playing. You've played so many games of football. And, you know, how how did you sort of bridge that sort of gap from playing to managing? It didn't take me a lot of persuading to stop playing because uh, I was 34 at the time. And I'm telling you now, National North was one of the hardest leagues I've played in because 
it's just a different sport to how you know league football is and even top of national league a lot more running and you need to be a lot fitter as well i believe just because you're constantly forwards and backwards the ball retention is not as good and i struggled and um I think my body was breaking down and I just, you know, I got offered the opportunity to be assistant manager to John Pemberton and I jumped at the chance. I took all my badges. I took my B licence when I was at York. I took my A licence when I was at Kidderminster. So I was already a qualified coach doing a lot of stuff for local academies around around the Midland area and the Northern area when I was at York anyway. So I was ready and so be it. And hopefully looking forward to a long future in the game of, of, of coaching. Which managers had the most influence on you as a player? Who got the best out of you? And what can you take from the managers that you've you've played for? Like I said, Keith Curl, even though I was only there for four months, I loved his brutal honesty. I think that's always uh, very respectful. And uh, you might not like to hear what he has to say, but I'll tell you what, he stops any confusion. And, um, you know, but Nigel Wormerton, I, I believe, was my best manager. His man management skills in that six months, for me personally, were second to none. Uh, but I've had some great managers, Gary Rowett, really enjoyed his coaching philosophy and, and so be it. Mark Yates, I've worked under for seven years, he, he liked me, I think we kind of distanced ourselves. He trusted me what I did, I trust him what I did. So I've learned a lot from, from a lot of coaches really. Uh, you've had incredible success at Kidderminster, I mean, you know, certainly Defe Cup, something you've had success in before as a player, uh, you know, beating Reading last season and then, uh, you know, a real valiant defeat to, to West Ham as well. Has that enabled, has that cut run sort of enabled Kidderminster, you know, make improvements to sort of the club's infrastructure? Because there's obviously been a lot of exposure with that cut run and playing on BBC and, and the kind of money that comes with that. For sure. And, and, and the chairman, who's only been in the gig as long as I've been manager, we've got such a great relationship now. And he's a kiddie lad and he's, and he's a kiddie fan. His dad owned the club 30 years ago. So his heart and soul's in kiddie. Listen, the FA Cup was a dream come true for everybody. It might not happen again for another 50 years, but what he has done with that money is put it back into the football club. So we've got irrigation, water system down the training ground now. The new floodlights have gone in and it's just, the place looks smart. And uh, I'm really proud of what we're building. You know, we've got a competitive squad now. We want to do what the teams that have gone up in the past do and just keep chipping away and hopefully it will be our day soon. Yeah, I mean, and you had a great season in the league as well, didn't you? I mean, you know, York City fans saw that first time. You beat us twice and finished eight points ahead of, of York City, but they obviously got promoted. Was that difficult for you to, you know, take again? You must hate the playoffs. I was thinking about it last night, but, you know, like I say, you've had such a good season. You, I think you will have been one of the favourites to go up as well and then to sort of fought that first hurdle. It must have been a difficult one to get your summer off to. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was difficult to watch the... Uh, I didn't watch the final, but it was difficult to see York play Boston. You know, we, we got 12 points from those teams over the season. They finished six, fifth and sixth, I think, or fifth and seventh. So, effectively, we had a better season than both. But we all know the playoffs. We weren't quite at it on the night. Boston were better than us. And, uh, and York had that momentum from probably six weeks before. Yeah, Comfortably in the playoffs, I'm telling you now, probably mid-February. Um, couldn't win the league because Gates had beat us 4-0 at home. We're too far from them. They were they were on it. I fancied them from January, really. So we were in that difficult position of, right, do we keep pushing for third or do we rest players and, and kind of go from there, go strong in the last couple of weeks? But listen, it's it's all on the, on the night and it doesn't matter. Um, we weren't quite good enough on the night. But overall... Really proud of a really good season. And, you know, we just want to go one better next year. 
Yeah, and I think it was the same for Brackley as well. I mean, they came 21 points ahead of York and I think they did start resting players and and again, York, York had, kind of had that momentum for that six-week period. I mean, how, how are you shaping up for the new season? Because I, I know you lost Sam Austin, who, who's been a key player for Kidderminster for a number of years, but you've gained Tom Owen Evans and Shane Burnett, who are two players that I thought personally watching against York City last season, two of the best players I saw. How, how, are, you, how are your chances for the shaping up for the new season? Well, the chances as always, the expectations are up there. Everyone, every fan wants promotion. Um, I think the hype of the of the season where we finished fourth in the FA Cup run has put us on, you know, top of one of the favourites lists. I think alongside Fylde and Boston, Brackley again and your Chorleys and Telford have spent a bit this year. You know it's a tough, tough league. But yeah, we've got to be looking to aim high and, and to achieve success. But let's not kid ourselves. It's a tough, tough season. It's a tough league, and um, the be- only the best will win, mate. Yeah, and and just just going back to York slightly, you know, obviously you were there for the first game of the season, uh, beating us uh, at the LNER Community Stadium. What what did you make of the new stadium and and kind of York City as a club now from from when you played last played for them? I think over time it'll be a great place to play football. You know, we were just coming out of COVID then, weren't we? And, yeah, still umming and ahhing. So the crowd was good, but you know when it's full, I can imagine like the the playoff final is 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 completely on a, a different scale. Listen, I love everything about York. We've got friends coming down from York next week because we've got a real close knit up there. We've got um, we just sold our house up there actually, but got a lot of lot of friends. I love Boogham. I absolutely loved it. It was just a, a, a fantastic place to play your football. I loved. The, the North End, you know, the David Longer stand and it packed and I love the darkness about it all. I just love the city and it's the place that's, that holds a big piece in my heart uh, and forever will. Yeah, and I think Ag- Agborough as well as the ground is, is quite, got similar sort of um, things to Boone Crescent. I think it's quite an old style football stadium and, and I think over time a lot of them will just no longer exist, will they? You know, there's a lot of new stadiums that that are getting built. I have to say as well, you know, a massive special mention to Brian Murdoch, I think, who sadly passed away, didn't he, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the reasons why Kidderminster was always my favourite away day, you know, the cottage pies and the curries and, and everything, you know, it was just uh, me and my uncle used to go because he lives in Worcester. We used to always build up to these games, like, oh, what, what will we get this year? You know, um, and, and that's kind of, obviously, he had a big part in the sort of community, didn't he, at Kidderminster? Yeah, the, the Murdochs were great, and they were great in that time. They're not no longer with us anymore. We've obviously got different. We've gone different ways, but great respect. It always annoyed me that people used to talk about the pies more than the football. I think that's slowly turned now. But um, no, he was great, and he was part of the club. And he had his little corner down there where he sold his shepherd's pies, which were like as big as it could be for. But. Um, no, great. And, and listen, uh, God bless his soul. You know, he, he was great for the football club and he'll forever, forever be remembered. Yeah. And, and just finally, what, what, what's your sort of ambitions in football now then, Russ? You know, you, you, I, I know it's last season when the FA Cup run was happening, you know, you were starting to get linked with quite a lot of other clubs. I don't know how these uh, bookmakers sort of work these odds out, but I think once a couple of people put a bet on someone, they rise to the top. What, you know, how, how hard is it to sort of stay grounded when, when you're on a run like that and, and sort of doing well in the league? And, how far do you think you can go as a manager? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question to ask. I'm so early in my career, I think, you know, I want to get as many games under my belt as possible. I think staying in the game is, is the most difficult thing. I think last year in the National North, there were 13 sackings. You know, it's unbelievable, really. Everyone wants promotion. Everyone wants success yesterday. Um, I'm lucky I've got a chairman who, who's building 
and I'm really lucky to be part of this project. And I think we, I think we, as a partnership, we, 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 we're going to move this club forward. I really want to be successful at Kidderminster Harriers. Obviously, I've got my own aims and ambitions, but that's, that's far down the line. I've just signed a new three-year deal at the football club, so I want to give everything I can to Kidderminster and, and, and my heart and soul will go to, to, um, to Kidderminster for the foreseeable. Well, good luck with the new season, Russ, and, and thanks again for giving up your time. I hope you've enjoyed sort of going over your York City memories and, and over your career as well. Thanks, Dan. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Russell Penn. We'll be back next week with another episode with Graham Crawford. Thanks also to the many people who listened to the Paddy McLaughlin episode and the Cotacan comments that people have left um, saying that they were pleased that the, the podcast has come back. And uh, again, you know, support for myself. All much appreciated. These podcasts are a spin-off of York Hospital Radio and we're obviously a charity, so usual kind of feel from me. If you're able to donate to us, it's much appreciated, no matter how big or small the donations may be. Uh, just go to our Just Giving page, which is justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. We're also producing some sort of new content now. You may have seen there's a, a new podcast called The Crux of It, which is basically uh, what our hospital ball preview review shows used to be, but it's got a little bit, dare I say, a bit slicker. You know, we're aiming to do it a bit shorter episodes, but kind of keep it quite punchy and uh, review things every month. So our preview show on that is is now available by the same platforms as this, which is sort of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and uh, of course Captivate, which is its kind of main home. Back to Hospital Ball now and, you know, other ways you can help us. Give us a good rating on Spotify via the Rate This Show at the top if you're listening on, on that platform. If you're on Apple, leaving a review or, again, a kind of a rating is, is really helpful to us. Keep your comments on Facebook and Twitter coming. They're really, really appreciated by myself and uh, James, who, who does the editing and producing. You know, it's a team effort, this, and, um, you know, we're always appreciate those, those kind of comments uh, coming in. So until the next time, see you later. Mm-hmm.